Welcome to Speaking of Human Milk, where we give you bite-sized episodes on the latest science and innovation surrounding human milk. This podcast is brought to you by Prolacta Bioscience, a company dedicated to advancing the science of human milk. The results and outcomes described in this episode are anecdotal and specific to the institution and its protocols. For a list of published studies on the exclusive human milk diet, go to prolacta.com. I'm your host, registered dietitian, Kelly Hawthorne. Today, we will be speaking with neonatologist, Dr. Evelyn Ryder. She has been a practicing neonatologist for nearly 30 years and is the medical director of the Children's Hospital at Providence NICU at Providence Alaska Medical Center. She is also the practice director for Alaska Neonatology Associates, an affiliate of Pediatrics Medical Group with Mednex. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast, Kelly. It's really a pleasure to be here. And for our listeners who don't know you very well, can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into neonatal care and your experience in the NICU? Well, as you mentioned, I've been a practicing neonatologist since 1990. So I've seen a lot of changes in the field over the past 30 years. As a pediatric resident, I loved ICU medicine and opted for the neonatal ICU where I felt that everything we did in caring for these most fragile patients made a difference every day. Over my career, I've seen our care of these babies become more sophisticated, including how we provide nutrition. When I started neonatology, we did not hesitate to offer formula alternatives to maternal breast milk. I distinctly remember telling mothers, don't worry if you can't provide breast milk, we have safe formulas for your baby. And of course, back then, we had no options but cow's milk-based fortifiers to supplement breast milk for these babies. Today, I can no longer say that there is a safe alternative to breast milk feedings for very premature babies. I know exactly what you mean about seeing those changes happen over time in the NICU. Um, I've been in the NICU for about 20 years myself, and it is really remarkable to see how our practices can change based on different products available. So it's, it's so exciting to see nutrition changes happening over time. Um, so let's talk about nutrition and growth and uh, get into a little bit about why premature babies struggle so much with achieving adequate growth. Kelly, born, babies born prematurely do struggle with achieving adequate growth because we have yet to figure out how to support these babies as well in an incubator after birth as the mother's placenta and womb did during pregnancy. A baby born prematurely is at a distinct disadvantage from the growth standpoint because not only can we not match the nutrient delivery from the placenta, but the baby's metabolic needs are also higher than it is in the womb. When we try to match the nutrient delivery that the placenta does for these babies, it causes all sorts of sometimes deadly complications. Therefore, it is very important to avoid nutritional deficits from the very beginning of the baby's hospital stay. As neonatologists, it is really important to, for us to recognize that these babies are very much at risk for a nutritional crisis, and we have to avoid the vicious cycle that can result from not, not feeding well and not growing well. Babies who don't grow get sick, and sick babies do not grow. 
Yes, that is a motto that I've heard over and over again. Babies who don't grow get sick and sick babies do not grow. And as a NICU dietitian, it was always really important for me to be working with the nurses to make sure that we were measuring those growth outcomes appropriately, that they were measuring length and head circumference weekly um, and appropriately using, you know, two people to measure uh, with a length board. Uh, so what have you done in your unit there to help ensure that measurements um, that tell us how the baby is growing are actually done properly? Well, as you already know, measuring length and head circumference accurately is a lot more challenging than just getting a baby's weight, Kelly. We have tried very hard to change these practices, and more recently, we now use a special measuring tape for the head circumference. This, me this measuring tape is made of a non-stretched Teflon material that is synthetic, and the tape actually encircles the baby's head. Length is measured using a recumbent length board with a stationary headrest and a movable foot plate. We can then measure the baby's fully extended length more precisely. Both of these, both of these measurement mechanisms were implemented in our NICU in the last year. However, having people do this consistently continues to be a challenge. Having reliable measurements are important when we are trying to determine the impact of nutrition on growth parameters. Absolutely. Um, the, when we don't know how well the baby's growing, and, and sometimes you look back on that growth chart and somehow the baby <laughs> shrunk, like we know that that didn't really happen. Yeah, for know? sure. So we, yeah, so we know that there, there's uh, those struggles that we have with just getting an accurate length measurement. You would think that in this day and age where we have all this other technology, that that, that would be you know, taken care of and be so easy, but it's one of the most challenging things that we can do is trying to get an accurate length on these babies and do it uh, consistently over time. But that's exactly what those growth charts are trying to track is consistent changes over time. Sorry, I can get way off on my soapbox when it comes to <laughs> measuring length uh, to help us figure out growth. Uh, but but I want to move into um, to the studies that you have been a part of there. Um, I know you were involved in a multi-center study a while back that compared some differences in babies that started on human milk fortification at different time periods. So can you tell us first, how did you get involved in that study and why did you even think that this was a worthwhile research question for you to try to tackle and answer? Kelly, we were privileged to be one of four centers that was invited to participate in this multi-center study that was led by Dr. Houston from Oregon. The study was published in November 2019, and the primary goal was to determine if growth of preterm babies weighing less than 1,250 grams at birth is improved by earlier fortification of their breast milk feedings with the Prolacta human milk-based fortifiers. Our NICU in Anchorage, Alaska has used these human milk-based fortifiers as part of our exclusive human milk feeding diet for premature babies since 2012. We followed and monitored our growth and other outcomes as we progressively decreased the volume of feedings at which we added the fortifiers. 
we were very cautious and we had to prove to ourselves before decreasing the volume of fortification that the babies were being kept safe. Because we were constantly monitoring our outcomes, we were able to have babies in both the very early, in both the early fortification and the late fortification arms of the study. As we look at the literature, no other study had compared early versus late fortification of breast milk feedings with human milk-based fortifiers. Okay, so then tell us what you were looking for. I believe you started some babies earlier than others. Um, and tell us about that early versus late fortification and receiving the donor human milk fortifier. So the babies in the study were in two fortification groups, as, you, as, you meant, as was mentioned before. The group of babies in the early fortification started the human milk-based fortifiers at less than 60 milliliters per kilogram per day feeding volume. And the late group started the fortifier at greater than 60 milliliters per kilogram per day volume. Other than when these fortifiers were started, the rest of the feeding regimens were the same for both groups. The goal was to see if growth was improved with early fortification and more importantly, if it is safe to do so. Okay, and so before we get to the results, because I really want to find out for our listeners what the results are, but first, how different was that from what you were used to doing when it came to starting fortifiers in the NICU for preterm babies? Well, Kelly, before human milk-based fortifiers, the only option available, as I'd mentioned, was cow's milk-based protein fortifiers, MCT oil, or formula powders. These are not always well tolerated by these very premature babies. And unfortunately, the intolerance could lead to significant complications with intestinal inflammation called necrotizing enterocolitis. This can lead to intestinal perforation or death. Maintaining an exclusive human milk diet by using only human milk-based fortifiers has significantly reduced these intestinal complications, but also other complications of prematurity. When we started using the human milk-based fortifier, we were fortifying at, people will gasp now, 100 milliliters per kilogram per day volume. After proving the safety of our, in our patients at this volume, we lowered that to 70 milliliters per kilogram per day and then to 50 milliliters per kilogram per day. For this study, we were one of the few groups that were able to provide our earlier fortification group of babies that were fortified at 50 milliliter per kilogram per day. And we also had later fortification babies that were fortified at 70 to 100 milliliters per kilogram per day. So I'm so excited to hear this. And, and really, honestly, this is a very typical experience, I think, of units when they switch from a cow's milk-based fortifier to a, a donor human milk-based fortifier. Because we're used to that magical round number of 100 mLs per kg per day. That's when we add the fortifier if it's a cow milk-based fortifier. So I think a lot of units, when they transition to the, the new product, they, they just keep that same number because that's their comfort zone too. And then they're able to see the benefits and see that the baby's tolerated earlier. And so that brings us back full loop to what you guys were doing of seeing how, how much 
you know, sooner and how much at a lower volume could you start that fire fortifier? So with, with a drum roll, let's find out what were your results. So we're really excited because the study showed that earlier fortification at, again, at the less than 60 milliliters per kilogram per day volume is safe. We saw no increase in intestinal complications, infection, or death. And more importantly, the weight gain was also improved in these patients compared to the babies who started their fortification at a higher volume of greater than 60 milliliters per kilogram per day. What I should also mention is that when we looked at the data, and this was just happenstance, when we looked at the data, the babies who were in the later fortification group started out with a head circumference measurement that was half a centimeter bigger and a weight that was 50 grams higher than those babies that started earlier in their fortification. So the fact that these babies who started fortifying early started out a little, a little lighter and with a head circumference a little smaller managed to gain better weight and maintain the comparable head circumference increase was a remarkable finding. This is the first study to specifically look at the effect of earlier versus late fortification of breast milk feedings with this human milk-based fortifiers. So we were really excited about these results. That's incredible. So now we know that babies, if they start the fortifier with a donor human milk fortifier at, at a rate less than 60, there were no negatives. And in fact, they grew better. So, so it, and because they tolerate it, it's so much better. So it's, it's, you're right. It's so exciting to see these kinds of things. Have you been able to adapt this practice that you, you use during the study period into your current NICU practice? Yes, we have. And actually, I should give a shout to Dr. Houston's group who really pushed for lower and lower volumes of fortification. They're kind of my, my heroes in that they were, at, in the study, they were fortifying at 40 milliliters per kilogram per day. And when we finished the study, we very quickly adapted that practice of lowering our fortification volume even more to 40 milliliters per kilogram per day. And we have not seen an increase in any of our complications at that level. We started that lower fortification volume in January of 2020. And so far, we have maintained our excellent outcomes in growth, and we have continued to have no increase in our necrotizing enterocolitis. And I would just remember I mentioned that we have not had a case of necrotizing enterocolitis in our inborn babies since November of 2018. That, that's just fantastic. Uh, yeah, I know um, the, the group there and with Dr. Houston, and uh, the first time I heard, too, that they were starting to fortify babies at 40, that was the first time I'd heard of anybody going uh, that early and, and such a low volume, you know, and it's almost the opposite reaction of of that 100 that we talked about before. You know, all of a sudden I had a little bit of hesitancy to the 40, but it's so good <laughs> to see the data actually show, no, it is safe and, and fine for the baby. And it actually does have good outcomes, especially when we look at growth. And then like you said too, and the, the impact on 
the decrease in necrotizing enterocolitis, which is, is the most important thing. Yes, and, and Kelly, one of the things that I'd like to also add that I, I forgot to mention is that our study showed that the babies in the earlier fortification group had a lower incidence of chronic lung disease, which is also a very important finding in this study. That's, that's so wonderful. I mean, it is, as a dietitian, it particularly makes me so happy when we find out that nutrition interventions can have such a dramatic uh, impact on these premature babies on multiple organ systems and, and then knowing how that really impacts their overall life as well. Yes. Well, do you think that there are any you know, we've talked about all these benefits of starting earlier and, and at less than 60 mLs per kg per day. Do you think that there are any limitations or barriers to starting for the, the prolactive fortifier at 60 mLs per kg per day or even 40 that other NICUs might encounter? Well, Kelly, a very common barrier, of course, is cost. There is an apparent higher cost of the prolactive fortifiers compared to cow milk-based fortifiers. And the concern is raised about starting fortification at lower volumes. Additionally, starting the lower volume of the fortification at lower volume of feedings means using more of the fortifiers. But I'm hoping that the return, the, the return of investment with healthier babies, better growing babies with lower complications will be seen as worthwhile. I also hope that the results from our study will reassure people who are concerned about starting fortification at such lower volumes. Showing that earlier fortification is safe is a critical finding because anything we can do to improve the nutritional support of these babies in order to avoid deficits is so very important. The lower rates of necrotizing enterocolitis and other prematurity complications related to having an exclusive human milk diet using these human milk derived fortifiers mean better outcomes for premature babies in the short run with lower complications and because they leave the NICU with lower rates of complications overall in the long term, that means lower costs of care. These findings are important to present when justifying the use of these products in the NICU. Well, I think your this publication and your research behind it really does take a big step in helping other NICUs to justify um, the, the cost for this. Um, do you think, if you could share, is there a specific story about any kind of, any certain baby that comes to mind when you think about how early fortification with an exclusive human milk diet really made an impact? Kelly, there isn't a single baby story to share after using these human milk-based fortifiers. However, the one baby I remember distinctly is the baby who led us to double down our efforts to obtain Prolacta fortifiers for our NICU. This baby went from healthy and thriving to sick with necrotizing enterocolitis, developing intestinal perforation and dying within 12 hours right in front of our eyes. You know, for some reason, this baby and the family touched every one of us in the NICU, and we were devastated. Very shortly after that, we obtained Prolacta for our NICU, 
And since then, hundreds of babies have benefited. And as I mentioned, we have managed to grow these babies, have lower complications, and not have a case of NEC, despite earlier fortification for two years going. Oh, Dr. Ryder, definitely. As you tell that story, I also think of, in my own experience, that same baby in Texas when you were in Alaska. And I, I, I remember that baby also touching our unit and, and just going through such a similar fast downhill course like that uh, with necrotizing enterocolitis. And I think, unfortunately, so many units could say similar stories as well by using um, not having access to a, an exclusive human milk diet and what we know of the benefits of that. Um, so yeah. I think those babies, they will be with us forever. And it's it's almost you know, wonderful that, that these days there's the babies that don't stick out as much in our memories because they haven't gone through those experiences. Yeah. It is a common theme, isn't it? It's, it's interesting. As I thought about those babies, um, I remember distinctly those babies we lost and not so much the babies who have subsequently benefited from having this product because it's become just part of what we do every day in our NICU. Well, Dr. Ryder, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your research. I know as a research dietitian myself how much work goes through uh, into these studies and uh, and the time and commitment um, it takes to to pull something off like this and and you know pay attention to all of those all of those data. And so thank you so much. Early fortification and growth are really important topics. We're happy to always talk about those on our podcast here um, and share those with our listeners. I'm really glad that we could uh, take time in today's podcast to do that. Um, if there's anything else that I didn't touch on today that you would like to share with our listeners, just um, you know, let us know right now. What, what did I miss? What, what else would you like to cover? Well, Kelly, thank you so much for this opportunity to share information with the, your listeners. I am very privileged to care for these fragile patients and to have human milk derived fortifiers to add to breast milk feedings as part of my toolbox to support better and safer growth for these babies. We always want to ensure fewer complications and better long term health outcomes with these babies who are put in our care. And I can say after 30 years of practicing in this field, I continue to feel that everything I do makes a difference for these babies and their families. And knowing the long-term health benefits that come from safer growth for these premature babies in our care is truly very gratifying. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ryder. Thank you for, for all of that work that you're doing. And, and it is very clear that, um, that you're making a difference as you said, for the babies in your unit and then with publications like this that ha can help other units. Your, your impact is, is much farther than you can even imagine. So thank you so much. And to our listeners, links to information discussed will be available in the show notes. And as always, we look forward to bringing you future topics on the science of human milk. <music>